This episode of Brand Growth Heroes is supported by Strong Roots. Strong Roots believes food can be better for you and for the planet. Their end goal? To fix the freezer aisle for good. I love Strong Roots for so many reasons, but particularly because their exciting product innovation and inspired branding has revolutionised freezer aisles across the globe in only six years. So this season, with Strong Roots support, Brand Growth Heroes will continue to champion the founders of insurgent brands on their own scale-up journey. Thanks again to Strong Roots, simple, real food. Welcome to Brand Growth Heroes, the podcast that explores how insurgent brands in consumer goods categories are driving transformational growth. Here our guests talk not only about their brand purpose or why, but also how where they play, who they employ and how they work has driven their incredible success. Matthew Glover is the founder of Veganuary, Veg Capital, VFC and recently a new venture capital fund called Sentient. In this episode, he shares how he left his career in double glazing behind to fight animal cruelty, the exact steps he and his wife took to create the Veganuary movement, and arguably how it has been the tipping point for the plant-based revolution in our eating habits and in the food industry today. He tells us how and why he's made the decision to invest in growth upfront for the VFC brand. And finally, we learn about his venture capital businesses, Veg Capital and Sentient, and what they look for when evaluating new investments. I hope you enjoy this latest episode and learn as much as I did recording it. Matthew Glover, founder of Veganuary, VFC, Veg Capital and Sentient. Thank you so much for joining us on Brand Growth Heroes. How are you doing? I'm okay, Fiona. It's a hot day, uh, but enjoying the sunshine. It is really, really hot. You're up in York. I'm across in the Isle of Man. I think we're kind of on the same latitude, but it's hot, isn't it? Even this far north. Yeah, it is. I always joke to people that uh, when, particularly from other countries, and they'll say, where do you live? And I'll say, oh, you know, Winterfell, it's up in the north, you know, below the uh, the big wall. And uh, they're like, oh, OK, uh, but yeah, it's unusual for us to get this type of weather. Yeah, I'm heading off to the beach after this because there's no way I can work for the rest of the day. And I've got three little kids who are dying to build some sandcastles. So look, it's a real honour to get you on the show. I know you don't do this very often. So thank you so much for agreeing to come on. Bring us back. And again, I don't generally do this, the whole founder story thing, but it is an integral part of, I think, everything that you've created and the movements you've created and the businesses you've set up and the access to funds in order to fund other businesses who are going to make a change in the way we eat. Take us back to the beginning, because you do have a really, really fascinating experience in terms of how you got to what you're doing today. Yeah, well, actually, I would say the first 20 years of my career were not particularly impressive. Um, I was in the double glazing industry. Um <laughs> So I started a company when I was 21, um, spent my early 20s going up ladders um, and fitting windows. And uh, But, you know, learned a lot through that process, um, got to the point where we had a factory manufacturing UPVC windows, doors and conservatories and supplying them around the UK. Um, but I had, uh, I guess, a, a change of an epiphany almost when I was uh, 30 Eight, I think um, I'd been con- increasingly concerned about climate change and, you know, wanting to make a difference in the world. I had been vegetarian for about 10 years at that point, but I wasn't particularly um, active in uh, helping animals. I just didn't eat meat, if you like. And um, 
yeah, I watched a video online and it was about uh, cruelty to animals. And I just immediately went vegan after watching that. And so I then decided I needed to change my life and my career and uh, selling windows wasn't doing it for me anymore. So I wanted to help animals. And did that change happen pretty immediately or did that change happen gradually over a period of weeks or months from I'm not going to eat animals anymore to actually I need to change my career? Yeah, so I, I, I stopped eating animal products immediately. Um, I was just so put off by it. I mean, bear in mind, I've been vegetarian, so it was just giving up uh, dairy, eggs at that point in time, primarily. Um, and I found that particularly easy. It wasn't a massive uh, change in my life. Um, I actually had hummus and falafel like every day for about a month and got fed up with that and uh, started expanding into other stuff. But uh, anyway, uh, but I then started just researching. I mean, there's so much on, on the internet. Um, I went to the Animal Rights Conference in Washington, D.C., which was a bit unusual for a double glazing salesman from the north of England to be hanging out with all these uh, animal rights activists. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to absorb information and I, I just learned as much as I could. And I started talking to people and saying, you know, what can I do, you know, that, that's going to make a difference? And uh, people said to me, well, what are you good at? And I was like, well, I'm good at sales and marketing and growing businesses and working with people, and networking and all that type of stuff. And they said, well, you need to do that for the animals. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? And they were like, well, start something, do something. So that I guess that um, that was where I was for a year or so. And then um, when I got to, together with Jane, my wife, we started discussing different ideas. And we'd been to a few protests, you know, where you're standing with a sign saying go vegan or whatever. And it didn't feel like we were making much of a difference. Um, nobody was paying any attention to us. So, we, you know, I always think big, so I wanted to do something bigger than that. So, um I've taken part in a campaign called uh, Movember, where you grow a moustache for the month of November. And I, I remember that being quite good fun at the time and uh, raised some money for the charity. And uh, so we started saying, well, could we do something like that, uh, but for, for the cause? So we said, well, it's going to be a vegan month. You know, ask people to go vegan for a month rather than gr uh, growing a moustache. And, uh, and then it was a case of which month would be best. So we looked at January uh, being the obvious month for us with new resolutions and people eating too much food at Christmas and, uh, you know, people starting to think about, you know, going on health kicks and such like. So we had vegan in January. So we put it together and came up with this word veganuary, which, you know, I, I, you know, I knew it was a terrible word. It was cringeworthy. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> word. It is a great word. It's in the dictionary now. You is know. it? That's pretty we, amazing. Yeah actually create something that is pretty you know, amazing yeah yeah so that was it i mean it was in the early days we were jane was an english teacher at that point i was still selling windows but the profits that i was making from the business was what we used to build a website and to do some advertising and create a brand so it was like a hobby i guess at what point did you know that veganuary had got traction at what point did you sit there and kind of go oh wow okay I thought it was a good idea, I must admit. I mean, I'm, I'm always super positive about things. I always think things are going to be bigger than what they are. Um, but, you know, with Veganuary, um, we started working on it. Everybody seemed to be really interested in the idea when, when I proposed it. A few people were saying, oh, vegan for a month. That's You're asking too much of people, Matthew. And I was like, well, maybe we do a vegetarian month. Um, 
but then that didn't fit comfortably with. It doesn't work with January, does it? Vigi January doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The January. Yeah. Oh, awful. No, that sounds desperate. I'm just thinking of all sorts of weird body words when you say that. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, and, and also it just didn't feel, um, I, I thought that vegan for January would be, would generate sort of media attention as well, because it seems for a lot of people so extreme, certainly at that time. So, so we, we, we launched it. Jane had a, a, a um, she thought if we can get a hundred people doing it in that first year, that would be a success. And I was like, Oh, and you know, I think we can get a thousand. Um, and we actually got 3,300 in the first year. So we felt that the pilot scheme, uh, pilot idea, if you like, had gone quite well. You know, we got a card uh, we're, we're talking about us on their website. We had the, the Daily Mail were hypothesizing about whether Jamie Oliver had taken part. There was some success that we had. And in February, we we're like, okay, so should we do it again? You know, and... Uh, so that's when we started making it into a, a an annual thing, if you like. And so then the following year, what happened? Well, we 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 rebranded. We built a much better website. We we plugged away at it through the year. Um, I think we got it to twelve thousand eight hundred participants the year after. So it was like uh, you know bigger success. We just got more celebrities on board. We got more media attention. Everything. Year after year, it's been growing. I mean, we in the first few years, it, it at least doubled in size every year. So I, I used to joke that um, if we carry on at this rate of growth, then everybody in the world will be doing Veganuary by 2028. Amazing. I'm not as optimistic anymore because it's, it's difficult to maintain doubling growth, obviously. So where is it at now then? This January just gone, where, where was it at? We had 625,000. Uh, the previous year was 580,000. So obviously uh, a slower rate of growth. So it does, the bigger you get, obviously it becomes more difficult. But the ripple effect from that, you know, the amount of media coverage, the fact that it's in the dictionary, it's in the popular lexicon, everybody knows what it is. Maybe we're not doing veganuary, maybe we haven't signed up, but maybe we are eating less meat as a result. Has anyone actually linked back the increase in flexitarianism and in veganism to this initiative that you founded? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's there's so much uh, media about this. There's so much insights and evidence that that is happening. So we find that, um, I mean, the, the one thing that we didn't anticipate, we didn't really think about, but happened anyway, was... Um, the interest and excitement that the food industry had for uh, the the concept. So, uh, and we really tried to nurture that by uh, spending time working with retailers, with restaurants, with food manufacturers to encourage them to add more menu items that are vegan, to develop products and launch them in January. And, um, you know, we were pushing against a really open door. I mean, January for a lot of restaurants, you know, it, it's a poor month. So, you know, if you're saying to them, look, we're going to drive additional new customers to your restaurant, if all you've got to do is put some vegan options on there, they were very open-minded to doing that. What do you think? Why didn't they do it on their own? I mean, what's the insight here? Like, what were they waiting for? What did you provide? Was it the safety or you de-risked it for them because you did the marketing? Yeah, so we were basically saying in, in the, the instance of a restaurant, um, we were saying, look, there is a proportion of the market that is vegan, vegetarian. We're actually going to create 
like more vegetarians and vegans in the month of January than than is normal. So at which point then can you cater for that demand? So they 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 were they were open minded to that. What tends to happen then from February onwards is a proportion of those people stick with it and stay vegan. And obviously we've converted thousands of people to to being vegans through the campaign. But on top of that, there are people that that don't stick with it, but they reduce their consumption going forward. So, for example, if you've been used to drinking cow's milk and then you try oat milk, um, you know, so that create helps to create that flexitarian uh, thing that you mentioned. So um, there's this huge amount of evidence that veganuary has helped the movement of flexitarians. I mean, obviously, we want people to go vegan, being frank with you, but... Uh, we'll take it because what it does is it it, it helps um, food manufacturers to 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 be successful. It, it helps supermarkets to to uh, allocate more space on the shelf uh, to vegan options. If you're the smart founder of a scaling grocery brand and you're inspired by what you learn on Brand Growth Heroes, why not check out our online business accelerator for founders who want to take their growth to the next level? The Growth Strategy Programme is a six-week online learning course which offers a suite of bespoke lessons, tools, one-to-one coaching, group workshops and access to a growing network of support from smart founders of grocery brands just like you. You can find out more by going to fionafitzconsulting.com and then clicking Online Courses. Then just press Register Your Interest Today. Thanks again to Strong Roots, Simple, Real Food. It's an amazing case study from a kind of societal, social studies perspective as well. I mean, there's lots of things that we want people to start doing or stop doing and stopping something and starting something else. It's, you know, half of six of one, half a dozen of another. But like, are people coming to you and saying, how can we learn from this in terms of smoking or obesity or, I don't know, drink driving? Like there's a huge learning to be had here for governments all over the world, how you create movements in society, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea of naming a month and doing something was not new. I think uh, Stoptober and uh, November, and the, that's part of the reason why we did it. But you made it work. Yeah, yeah. But like Dry January already existed and, and still exists. Yeah, actually, we keep talking about should we do Dry January, but that just seems like, you know. It's starting to get dry in all sorts of senses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, come on. Don't ask too much of us. Seriously, if I'm going vegan, I'm also going to need an extra an extra beer. That's a terrible thing to say. Um, I didn't say that. We would love to spend more time talking to governments on policy. And I think we're doing it to an extent. You know, we we I've presented to people at Unilever and talked about social change to all the marketing managers. And hopefully some of that sticks and some of that influences decisions within huge organizations. So some of it, we have a corporate outreach team. We're in Germany now. I mean, Veganuary is as big in Germany as it is in the UK. And, uh, you know, we're certainly seeing uh, meat consumption declining in Germany, uh, probably faster than the UK. I'm not saying it's Veganuary that's done it, but hopefully we're having an influence on the overall scene. And that's a great segue to the question I was going to ask, which is what are your metrics of success then for Veganuary? Because you mentioned that the reduction in meat consumption in Germany. Is that your the big metric here? Yeah, so we look at a number of things. Obviously, uh, we're looking at the numbers of people signing up. Um, we we also uh, have organisations like Cantar that would look at, uh, because we know that a lot of people don't actually sign up on the website. Um, so we have an understanding of what proportion of people in society 
doing it, but not necessarily signing up on the website. Um, you know, I think the bigger picture is reducing suffering of animals. So, uh, you know, we're looking at that um, and, and trying to make a dent into that. Uh, but we're also looking at number of product launches that happen in January. We're looking at number of menu items that are, that are going on. So we're looking at it in a number of different ways. So it's difficult to say exactly there's just one metric, but it, it's trying to shift society in a number of different areas. And how is it financed then, the Veganuary charity? Yeah, I mean, in the early days, it was myself and Jane that were financing it for the first two or three years. But then we started to receive donations and we were able to start getting corporate sponsors on board. So um, we evolved the the organisation into a UK registered charity, which we have been for the last uh, six or seven years now. Well, five or six years, maybe. Um so it's donations, it's corporate sponsorship. Um, we, we get people doing events, uh, you know, just giving all of that type of stuff. So, and now actually myself and Jane are not involved on a day-to-day basis. I, I'm chair of the board. Jane's a, a trustee as well. We have another uh, seven trustees that sit with us on the board. And then we have an amazing team. Um, so I think um, Ria, who's the the CEO, she's based in Berlin, so she she runs the organisation. I think it's a fully female senior leadership team, which I'm really uh, pleased and happy about. That's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And um, the board is is about more like 50-50 in terms of male to female um, representation. But yeah, I think we, we do about 1.8 million. Um, that's what we raise per year. So it's still relatively small, you know, certainly compared to other charities and, uh, you know, the influence of the animal-based industries. So there's any millionaires listening, um, (laughs) do with your help. Yeah, there's a couple who do listen. So that's a big call out to you guys. It's funny, isn't it? Because you might only raise 1.8 million, but the impact, the societal impact that you've had in terms of the change, you've been a huge push towards people, a jump forward in their thinking about how much meat they consume, how much animal products they consume. And I know it was happening already, but it does feel like that you were that thing that happened, the tipping point that pushed the whole conversation, debate and behaviour change forward. So it's an amazing thing. So look, that's not all you've done, though. I mean, if that was one thing that one person had done in their lifetime, Jesus, that would be enough. But then you went on to do other stuff that is changing the way people eat in all with the objective of reducing animal suffering. Talk to us about the next big thing that you did after that. So the next thing we worked on, the main thing was uh, we set up another organization called Million Dollar Vegan. Um, We had uh, a philanthropist in the US that we got to know through Veganuary. And uh, collectively, we came up with this idea of offering Pope Francis $1 million to go vegan for Lent. Um, And the the million dollars would be donated to a charity of his choosing. the theory behind that was um, uh, he, he uh, Pope Francis had uh, written about the need for environmental action. Um, he had a, an encyclical called Laudato Si, um, which really talked about uh, kindness and compassion. So we really tried to dial in the, the um, angles that he was talking about anyway. And Lent is a period of time where uh, people are encouraged to abstain uh, from from things anyway. 
Plus, he's kind of a fun guy, right? Compared to most of the popes we've had in the past. I'm Irish, so I should know. <laughs> so I'm sure he would be more open to that idea than any of the other popes or any of his big committees around him who seem to be pretty mean. That was the plan. That was the plan. I mean, in actual fact, it's difficult to get to the Pope to have a conversation, obviously. We actually, we had a, a, a young girl called Genesis Butler who was fronting the campaign and uh, going around getting signatures. So we got Paul McCartney and various other people signing the, the letter and she took it to the Vatican and she actually managed to meet with one of the uh, one of the priests there who received the letter and passed it on to, to Pope Francis. And he actually responded to Genesis uh, just uh, thanking her for the thoughts and thanking her for everything that she does in the world and blessing the campaign. Unfortunately, didn't commit to go vegan for Lent, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, the idea was always about uh, generating as much media attention that we could. And particularly um, because Catholics uh, are more um, located around the Mediterranean and Latin America, um, it was an opportunity to talk about the meat reduction, kindness to animals um, in, in a part of the world where, you know, it, it's not so high profile. Yeah. I mean, nowadays you could also try the royal family because they get so much media attention. Prince Charles, he's all over this stuff, right? Not meat reduction, but in the environment, certainly. He could be. You could persuade him. Yeah, they're also landowners with lots of farms on, on, on their property. Oh, God, OK. That might annoy his smallholders. That's a complicated one. Absolutely. <laughs> you could get Harry and Meghan to do it because they'd probably love to do it just to piss them off. Yeah. So they have um, some sort of fund where they donate a million pounds to various different um, great ideas to solve climate change. Oh, yeah. Earthshot. That's William. Earthshot. That's it. Yeah. So we have been hypothesizing about could we offer a million to that um, through the, the foundation in the background to to but it's got to be a, a plant based alternative protein solution. Um, so it has crossed our mind that one, Fiona. Amazing. OK, so that is Million Dollar Vegan. And is that morphing into something else you were saying to me? Yeah, well, we, we did a separate campaign. Um, I'll skip over it quickly, but we we um, we offered a million to Donald Trump as well. Um, that was like a tumbleweed scenario. I uh, didn't get a lot of response there. Dangerous, dangerous PR ground there. That could have gone either way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now what we're doing is it's evolving into more of a, a production company that's sharing uh, content online. It's more like a Now This or Vox Media, but particularly focused on an animal agriculture and um, environmental issues associated with that, which yeah, using the platform that we generated through the campaigns to just try and reach a bigger audience. So that's that's the way the way the organisation is going going to continue. Is that launched already? Yeah, we we actually rebranded uh, from Million Dollar Vegan to Gen V literally this week. Okay, Gen V. So maybe your million dollar should go to one of the TikTok creators who's got the most longevity, and that Gen V is watching because they're going to have the biggest impact on that Gen V. And then it's a totally holistic kind of well-constructed idea. Anyway, what do I know? What do I know? <laughs> okay, brilliant. So then the next big thing, let's get to VFC. Was VFC next on your target list of changing the world? What happened then was I was feeling a bit burnt out from campaigning with uh, the D Donald Trump campaign it was quite stressful, as you can imagine. And um, so 
decided to start speaking to the uh, these philanthropists, investors in the US about setting up a VC fund. Uh, didn't know anything about venture capital uh, prior to setting up the fund, but th- there was uh, an increasing amount of uh, investment going into companies such as Beyond Meat and uh, Just Egg, which is like an egg product, um, Oatly, obviously. So there was a lot of excitement in the pl- sort of nascent plant-based food space. Um, but there wasn't so much happening in the UK and Europe. This was about three years ago. So we set up uh, Veg Capital. Um, sounds a bit like venture capital, if you say it quickly. Um, and uh, yeah, basically, it's a family fund just with one family of investors. Uh, we're committed to giving everything to charity, uh, any profits that ever occur in the future. And we started making uh, investments of between 50000 and 250000 in um exciting entrepreneurs with great ideas that are moving the needle in terms of animals. Um, So it's really about reducing animal suffering. So that would mean that we were looking at dairy alternative, meat replacements, fish alternatives, uh, egg replacements, but also uh, anything like a pizza or a a ready meal that is like center of plate type foods. Um, We also looked at uh, and have invested in a few precision fermentation uh, technology Place. So, for example, there's a company called Better Dairy that we've invested in that are working on casein, which is that magic ingredient that goes into uh, cheeses that makes it so addictive and melty and all that type of stuff. So, um, it's another company called Libre Foods that are based in Spain that are working on mycelium as a uh, 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 like a funga fungus that that uh, you can make amazing bacon type product out of. How do you feel about like as a committed vegan and someone who, you know, your primary objective is to reduce animal cruelty, but where do you sit on the whole debate around processed versus non-processed food? Yeah, well, most of the processed meats, the uh, uh, meat alternatives that are processed, they're there to compete with processed meats uh, that already exist. So, um yeah, there is quite a bit of pushback from it. But in reality, um, if you're comparing like for like, if you're um, comparing a vegan chicken nugget to a chicken nugget, um, the health nutrition is is arguably better on the plant-based versions than what we're trying to replace. Um, I mean, I would always recommend if you're interested in, in going vegan plant-based, then you should be focusing on whole foods, um, and an increasing amount of color, like eat the rainbow um, of, of, of products. And that's what I tend to, most vegans tend to do that, um, that they're eating a whole range of different foods to get uh, a broad range of nutrition. But in terms of the meat alternatives, they're there. It, it's almost like a comfort food. It's, uh, it's a treat on a Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. It's supposed to be your dirty treat rather than your everyday food. Exactly. So I think a lot of the criticism is a bit unfair and, you know, the bigger picture is we're trying to like spare animals and, and there's huge environmental challenges associated with animal agriculture. So, um, and, you know, as, as the population increases, as people in uh, developing countries uh, are wanting to eat more meat as they get um, wealthier, then the pressure that's putting on the Amazon, the pressure that's putting on um, parts of the world is, you know, of the oceans and the rivers. And just back to the Veg Capital funds available. So for any of the founders listening to this, you know, how do they get noticed by you guys? 
We've invested in about 30 companies so far, and we've decided that that's actually quite a lot, and it takes a lot of managing. Um, I've, no, I've realized that not only have I got my own problems, I've got 30 other people's problems once you've invested in their companies to deal with. So we're, we're consolidating to some extent um, at the moment. So we're not looking for new investments um, as we speak. That might change next year. Plus, it's also a very difficult climate at the moment with everything that's happening with Ukraine and, and everything. So we're just consolidating. Okay, I have an idea that might help you on that managing 30 people's problems, which we should talk about after this, which might be good. So Veg Capital, so you're not taking anyone on just yet, but you're managing all of that and you're going to be driving growth, helping those brands unlock growth. Then VFC, is that next? Yeah, well, what happened there was I spent a, a lot of time meeting founders with amazing sort of ideas and uh, listening to their great stories and uh, it scratched an itch for me. Ultimately, I'm an entrepreneur. So I was like, oh, actually, it sounds like really fun starting up a business in this in this space. So I connected with uh, Adam, my business partner. Uh, he's running a restaurant in, in York, uh, which was like half meat, half vegetarian, half uh, and vegan options. And he brought out a product called Vegan Fried Chicken, uh, served with chips and coleslaw and a barbecue sauce. And it was my favorite product in the restaurant. You know, I, me and Jane used to go maybe once every couple of weeks or something. And we got to know the the owners, uh, Katie and Adam. In fact, Katie came over and she said, I've heard on the grapevine that you two are vegan royalty. And we were a bit embarrassed by that. and uh, But it, it just allowed them to, to start talking to us. And... Um, yeah, so we started visiting regularly. And then when the lockdown happened, I, I I wasn't able to get my usual fix of vegan fried chicken. Yeah, so, um, and I had a chat with, with Adam in the background because I was concerned about him as the local businessman and how his business was doing. And um, I started whinging that I couldn't get my vegan fried chicken. So he said, I'll tell you what, Matthew, I'll, I'll cook some at home because I've got nothing better to do and uh, I'll freeze it and I'll, I'll ship it to you and see, see what you think. So... He did that. I put it in the oven 20 minutes and um, it was amazing. It was just like I was eating in the restaurant. So I rang him up and I said, you know, Adam, I think we need to talk. I reckon we could sell this stuff. And that was in the middle of 2020. We formed the company in September 2020. We launched the website in December 2020. Um, it went sort of semi-viral, I guess. We, we got to 10,000 Instagram followers within like a week or something. So it was a really good start. Um, it was to coincide with Veganuary in 2021. Um, so, yeah, it went really well. And um, so we, Veg Capital is the investor in VFC. Um, myself and Adam are the founders, and we've, we've invested £10 million so far in the startup. So that's helped us build out a team. We've got a CEO now, Dave Sparrow, um, and we're, built, we're bringing people in with industry knowledge, really. What kind of revenue are you allowed to say or market sales value even? How much are people spending on VFC? Yeah, well, we're in Tesco's in 370 stars. We're in Sainsbury's, uh, about 110 stars. And then we've got deals in place with um, the Netherlands and Iceland. And we're, we're opening up the American market. The revenues are still pretty small at the moment. I would say between 100 and 200,000 a month. Um, probably shouldn't have told you that. Dave will be cross with me now. Um, but the uh, the plan is that when the next range reviews come through and we've got a lot of exciting uh, opportunities coming through, then it will be significantly higher than that um, 
by the Q4 and certainly next week, next year as well as uh, opportunities in the US start to take place, then it'll be significantly higher than that. One of the things that food founders struggle with when they're established but scaling is, do I employ a team and scale up my team in advance of growth or do I do it once the growth has happened? You've obviously done it in advance of growth. Why did you decide that? Well, I, I just one of the things I've learned is you're better off um, bringing in people that are smarter than you um, as soon as you possibly can, and, uh, and and scaling up that way. So, you know, I don't have a background in, in food and beverage. I've been I was selling double glazing for the first twenty years of my career. You know, so I don't have that knowledge, the expertise, the networks. Yeah, the muscle memory. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. You know, I so I, I focus on the mission side of it. You know, we're, we're an activist brand. We've very clearly put out that we're we're, we're against factory farming as a brand, and uh, so I focus on that. Adam is the chef, so he sort of looks at more. He just wants the world to taste better. That's Adam's sort of view on things. And then, yeah, so we've 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 built out a team now. So we are, yeah. I mean, we're burning through cash as a lot of startups do. But that will fix itself the way things are going. So it's very exciting. I mean, VFC will succeed. It will definitely succeed. It has to succeed. I have to ask, did you get any kickback from KFC? Not yet. And, uh, you know, my activist side, I don't know if you saw, but I I went into a farm that was a KFC farm that they'd been promoting for higher animal welfare um, uh, as a flagship uh, farm, if you like. And... um, it was total, sorry, I'm probably pretty total bullshit. I shouldn't swear, but um, that they advertised and they were putting out there. So we went back into exactly the same farm that they'd filmed in and showed the reality. And um, and we put it out there as, as a video. It's had 12 million views so far. It's very unusual for food brands to do this type of thing. We named KFC, we named Moy Park, we named the farm. It was in The Guardian. It's uh, you know got a huge amount of interest. We've not heard a thing from KFC, and this was months ago. It's really surprising. But I think their view is um, hopefully it'll just go away. Yeah. I mean, if they were to take legal action, they're just going to get ripped apart, right? And, and you know, I'm, I'm disappointed they've not tried to sue us because I think that would be great news for us as a brand. Maybe you need to try harder to annoy them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> watch this space. I could. <laughs> um, also, maybe someone in KFC is saying, you know what, it's a good thing because every time VFC reminds people of VFC, people automatically think of KFC. I mean, you can't see vegan fried chicken without thinking of KFC. And whether it's good, bad or ugly, there's lots of people out there who think KFC is delicious and have got childhood memories or teen memories attached to it. So maybe they're saying, well, do you know, all marketing done for us is a good thing too. Who knows? I don't know. We definitely played on the KFC thing, irrespective of this investigation. I mean, we, I don't know if you've seen our Instagram, but we've got 38,000 followers and we only follow one account and that is KFC. Oh, hilarious. That is so funny. People question us, why are you following KFC? And I'm like, we're just keeping our eye on them. You know, (laughs) we want to see what they're up to. You're making a point. Yeah. And we, we put billboard adverts out there saying, thanks, Colonel. We'll take it from here. I loved that. That was brilliant. Yeah. So we're like sort of uh, trying to be playful as well with, with KSC. But again, no response. Maybe, maybe they've not noticed us. I don't know. The bollocks. Excuse my language. <laughs> you seem to have a lot of fun with all of this. I know a lot of it must have been stressful, but you seem to inject that, you know, let's have fun with this, the Northerner 
Yeah, so Veganuary is very safe and pragmatic and we don't like to upset people. We want to work with all the organisations and everything. VFC has allowed me to just do some of the stuff that probably I wouldn't do during, through Veganuary. Um, so we, we get a lot of trolls. We get a huge amount of trolls. People don't like vegans, believe it or not. Um, and I'm, we're aware of that. And we fight back. And if they take the mickey out of us, we, 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 we take the mickey out of them. I like that on your VFC website. What do you call it? The something myths? Cluckwits. The Cluckwits. And it's very funny because you have all the tweets or the crap trolling all in one place, which is very amusing reading. Yeah, we have a cluckwit of the month on social media. So we save the best ones. And, and it's quite often a lot of people. I mean, we have 6% engagement rate on social media. Most food brands are less than 1%. So, you know, we get, we get a huge amount of... So our early adopters, which is, I guess, the vegan activist community, really love us as a brand. They, they respect what we're doing. They, they feel that we represent them as well. Um, the challenge as we grow is to, to morph outside of just, you know, the, the early adopters and to try and get flexitarians on board. So we may need to calm things down a little bit, Fiona, but <laughs> until people tell us to, to grow up. Or rein it in. Yeah. We're, we're going to keep having fun. Yeah. And it's amazing because you've got your Gen V, your VFC brand can live on there. Your veg capital organization is funding it. People are eating more of it through Veganuary. It's all like an ecosystem that you're building that works together, which is an amazing thing. The final thing, and I know that you've got a call in eight minutes. So tell us about Sentient, your latest venture. Yeah, well, that was that came out of uh, Veg Capital people contacting us quite regularly saying, oh, how, how do we invest in Veg Capital? And, you know, they wanted to invest in, in the space. And um, because we're effectively a family fund and committed to give everything to charity, then there wasn't really an opportunity for people to invest. So we decided to create a fund. Uh, we've done it in association with uh, a guy called Manish Karani, who's a uh, investment banker, private equity background. He's also investing in, in, in vegan businesses. So we've teamed up um, and we've created a, a fund that individuals can invest in. Um, they need to be accredited investors. Um, you know, ideally, we're looking for high net worth individuals, family funds, institutions that um, see the, you know, the writing on the wall, see the opportunity that there is in terms of... Uh, alternatives to animal agriculture and uh, you know we're set up just really to, to focus on that niche um, it's a big niche if you think about animal agriculture I mean it's a huge industry um, uh, so we need to invest in really great alternatives to to be able to make a dent in into into that business and are you currently investing in businesses of what size are these early stage again or are these later stage we're going growth stage. So this is anything from 500K to two and a half million investments. Um, our first investment, we've already made our first one, which is in a, a business called La Fomagerie. I know it. I know it. Do you know that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Gorgeous. So clever, La Fomagerie. Yeah, exactly. And the products are so good. And cheese is such a um, a difficult uh, challenge for for the movement to be able to produce. I mean, I, I've had so many times people say, I, I would go vegan, Matthew, but just cheese, you know, I'm just so, so they can, people can give meat up a lot easier than cheese. So we need to, so we'll be investing in other uh, potentially vegan cheese businesses as well. 
How do people listening in the audience get on your radar at Sentient if they're looking for investment? Uh, sentientventures.co.uk or, or connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm a bit of a big mouth on LinkedIn. So um, that's the best way if anybody's listening to, to connect with me on there. And then I, I tend to, at the moment, we're in fundraising mode ourselves. So we're, we're raising um, in, in the same way that a lot of the startups are. It's one of those where, you know, as as we uh, get closer to a close of our, we're looking at, it's a 30 million raise we're, we're working on. And um, yeah, then uh, once we close, then we'll be a lot more active in, in investments. But we're still looking at really great opportunities as we speak. It's just amazing. Everything you've achieved, everything you are achieving is amazing. What's the big dream? I mean, is there a big dream out there, you know, in five, 10 years time? What would you have liked to look back and say, yeah, that was the big thing? I think Veganuary um, is the thing that I'm most proud of that's um, probably had the biggest impact so far. Um, I think, look, I'm pragmatic. Is the world going to be vegan when I'm 80 years old? Probably not. Um, but it's about reducing suffering. It's about slowing down the growth of uh, of the meat industry. And um, the way I look at it is it's not you know, in athletics terms, it's not a hundred meter race that I'm in. I feel like I'm probably on the second leg of a relay race. Somebody's already run the first leg and handed me the baton. I'm running a race. I'm going to hand over to somebody else. They're probably not going to see the finishing line. They've got to hand it to somebody else. But eventually, um, uh, assuming there's not a nuclear war or climate change doesn't destroy everything, then hopefully in, in a few hundred years, it'll be a much kinder planet where we treat animals with respect Uh, a lot more than we do today. That's fabulous. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Matthew. Really appreciate it. It's amazing to hear your story and thank you for everything you've done and all of the things that you're doing because you're making big waves. Thank you, Fiona, for giving me a platform to talk about it. Appreciate it. I enjoyed the conversation. (laughs) You're so welcome. You're so welcome. I hope you get to enjoy some of the sun today and have a lovely weekend. Thank you. Thanks again to Strong Roots simple, real food. 